Pleasure to have you here, man. It's been looking forward to having you on the show for, for a couple of weeks now, man. So it's good. It's good to have you here. Yeah, it's it's so good to be here. Um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it, it must be a little different being on this side of the camera. And I guess we should probably tell the audience, uh, yeah. Chase is my production guy. He is the guy <laughs> that does all my work in the, back, in the back end. So if you found this podcast by looking on the reels on Instagram or TikTok or anywhere else and that drove you to the podcast. That's his job. His job is to get you from there to get you to the podcast and yeah. uh, and just to make what stupid things I say coherent and sound cool. So <laughs> it's uh, no, it's I mean it's it's great to finally be here. As he was saying, like this is our first time really getting together. We got connected remotely and so we have been working together. I've been on the production side of things and so uh, being able to one finally get together and connect and also two, um, having been a person who's been behind the scenes in the marketing and content marketing space, I've learned so much about like little things about real estate after knowing practically zilch. Right. And so we thought it'd be a perfect idea to bring me someone who is definitely going to be getting into real estate because I've learned, uh, just through exposure of information, how valuable of a tool set it is to build wealth yeah. oh, absolutely. Um, and abundance for that matter. Uh, I, I want to learn more. So it's it's the perfect chance for me to kind of be the persona of new beginner in real estate and ask all the questions, start from a very broad funnel and get very yeah, nitty gritty. And, and that's that's kind of our goal. We, we were just talking before we started rolling, like our intent is to not have anything overly planned out. We just want to have an organic conversation exactly. coming from somebody who hasn't done much or anything really in real really, estate no. yeah. and who has watched it from the other side of the camera. And so this is unique in that Chase isn't a blue collar guy, right? Chase works on computers and he does video editing and social media marketing and all kinds right. of things. Is that a fair way right. to describe yeah. what you do? And just also like building and scaling business more so too. Like right. I think that just like a little bit of, of context around like my background, like I would, I would consider myself more like social media, content marketing, growth marketing is a skill set. But then it's also the entrepreneurship component behind like scaling the business, you know, like right. building out SOPs, training, you know, your team employees, building a regimented quality system for, for editing deliverables, right. um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, yeah like I, I would say that I'm, you know, as much of a marketer as well as I am an entrepreneur. Right. Um, I mean, I'm also a guy in sales, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. also an operations builder and I'm a manager, you know? Yeah, yeah all of the above. So, and just like I, it, all yeah. of us in business, it's like you have yeah. to have all of these pieces put together and you got to get a great team. So, yeah. so yeah, so this will be interesting totally. um, because, you know, you, you don't conform to the blue collar component of this space. You right. do conform to, you're an entrepreneur, you're a young guy, you're motivated, you're mm -hmm. hungry, you want to build something meaningful with your life yeah. and not just a big fat bank account, although I'm sure you right. want one of those too. Uh, and are driving towards that as we speak, but you know, you're, you're a curious guy and you are so good at answering great questions. And that's, <laughs> that's how this interview really came to the fore because, you know, we, he and I talk a lot about like how to drive producing value. Like the thing that we talk yeah. about all the time when we're yeah. talking about podcasts and like what kind of things should I be talking about yeah. is just pack as much value into that podcast and into every video as humanly possible. Yep. That makes your job easier to package it up and make right. it look cool on Instagram right. and, and on the shorts that you guys do such a great job with you and your team. But what happened was we were talking about how can we, you know, what direction should we be going? What are some of the topics we should be talking about? How can we serve the people who are going to be consuming this content? And you started right. rattling off like 
38 questions. And I was like, <laughs> at first I was yeah. like, holy crap, this is great. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not even, because I'm further down the road, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's so easy to lose perspective of what to me seems like common knowledge or things that I don't even take consideration to think about anymore. Now it's just a natural part. I look at a house and I think, oh, I got to do this, or yeah. this is how I'm going to approach this, or this is how I'm going to finance this or yeah. whatever. And so the questions you were asking me were questions that were, that I had to address right. 10 years ago before I got started. So, so we yeah. thought that this would be a perfect opportunity because I, not, not only can I be inquisitive, but, but more importantly, I don't have the same lens that Jonah has. I, I have not been in the trenches for 10 years. And so there's so many things. And also I, I just, from being involved in the space, I've have kind of begun to build a lens to see what are the important things that an audience wants to know. And this specific episode is going to be geared around you're a beginner in real estate, you have the work ethic, you're down to grind, yeah. uh, you just gotta know the information. And so what are the questions that are gonna come to you? We're gonna dissect all that. We're basically gonna create an informational journey, if you will, that's, that, that takes you from the beginning step all the way to some steps that are gonna be going you know, down in the future. Is, is, is the goal and direction of, of what this conversation is gonna be we're not really sure what that's going to be, but yeah, that's the we'll, intention. We'll find out. Yeah. And and so I, I think it can be about, super valuable, yeah. man. It's like, you know, so a lot of podcasts, particularly ones in, in real estate or investing spaces are talking to people who have already made it. You know what I mean? Like there totally, are people yeah, who have yeah. already accomplished all these yeah. many, many things. I've done a lot in real estate, but I've got right. a long way to go. You know, I always feel yeah. like such a little fish when I'm listening right. to some of these other things, but I do have an expansive amount of knowledge and I'm, you know, well down my road and I'm continuing down there. Yep. And um, I think this is going to be really fun to, to yeah. kind of have the opportunity to look at it from starting from scratch, you know. And, and one last point, questions. just to reinforce what you were saying too, is that you just said how you watch other guys that are so super successful. And oftentimes people learn, people get exposed to those guys because their content is so built out right. that they're the ones reaching the little fish that it can almost feel super daunting and feel like, yeah. oh, like, oh, these guys have been doing it. They've been in the space for, for right, years, right? right? But it's, it, it doesn't have to be that. And, no, no. And, and the goal of the Blue Collar Blueprint is to be able to create that information at the same playing field, right? Correct. It's not coming from, a, like, even, like, even in like a, a doctor-patient setting, you can only heal the patient right. if you're at their same level and you're meeting them together and sure. you're not like the doctor talking down. Correct. Because all, all of a sudden, you know, they feel inferior and creating an environment or an, an instance of inferiority um, will, can oftentimes lead yeah. to inaction or paralysis. Absolutely. Right. And like, I, I have this experience, right? Like totally, I'll be yeah. watching, you know, some <laughs> yeah. of these like huge product and people will be like, oh yeah, well I bought 300 units and I'll be like, 300 units? Yeah. Like, I know a lot about real estate and I've right. been in this space and I know a lot of people, but right. I don't have 300 units, you know, like I want right. to. But I don't, you know, like even from where I'm starting, I have something right. to leverage and it's right. still like, oh right. my God, how do you do that? So, so big picture, FYI, we just got together. He was telling me that he literally owns a property right behind the backyard. And he told me that he dropped a deal that was worth more than a quarter mil and he paid for it in cash, cold hard cash, or it was for this property. And so that, in that moment, gave me a quick inf inferiority complex. <laughs> and so for him to be saying that he has his inferiority complex for other yeah, things yeah. shows you that that's natural. Right. That's part of the process. And the only way to like 
to to build <laughs> your your to, to make your inferiority complex higher yeah. is one action and two the right information. That's and so like that's that's what we're trying to do. And and our goal is to grow from wherever we're at, right? I mean yeah. it's like nobody comes out of the damn womb as a full blown oak tree, you know what I mean? Everybody 100%. starts as the acorn, you gotta work 100%. it out from there. So that's our intent and that's hopefully we'll be able to provide some uh, yeah. some guidance Let's for do it. you. Let's get on to it, man. Yeah. So so again, just to reiterate Unlike our typical interviews where I'm sort of the interviewer and you the interviewee, it might be a little bit more like you're interviewing more me yeah. in this in this situation. So we'll just yeah. kind of see where the, the conversation goes. So yeah. hit me with it, man. What do you got? So, okay. So I think that, so in this last episode, if you haven't seen that podcast, for sure check it out. Um, I think it was one of the most value-packed episodes yet. He was talking about how there's a specific uh, VA loan that um, the guys that are veterans can apply for then they basically are, are eligible for a zero percent down on their loan and they just they can get a finance up to a certain amount to to, to basically loan out or, or, or finance a home so they have they have to only have to put any money down and then they can just as long as either a it's already like you know fixed up it doesn't need, need a lot of work they can just go ahead and turn it around and rent it out and create a cash flow from that that was when i realized oh my god that's so much information that i don't know yet that as long as you know it, you can just do it really quickly and apply it. Yep. I see real estate now as valuable. I've seen a lot of important information that makes me think, okay, like this can be a, a, a powerful tool to build wealth over the next two to five years. There's two questions that come to me right away. It's the first is uh, how should I start looking at deals? Is it significant to start locally or at least within an hour long radius? so that I can actually look and inspect the property. Is that valuable to be in person? And then secondly, we can dive into capital requirements, such as are there other pieces of information about general like loans or financing options that are available to first-time home buyers? Yeah. And I know that there is, right. um, that I can leverage as a first-time home buyer buying my first primary residence right. that uh, will help me get started on this path in the right, right foot. Yeah, so th those are great questions. So let me answer the, lo the location component of yeah, it first. Yeah, totally. So I'm a huge proponent of investing where you live, right? Yeah. Um, particularly Good. if you're just getting started. Um, generally speaking, the best first property that anybody should be buying is for themselves to live in. So yeah, you want to live somewhere where your job is or where your roots are, right? So mm -hmm. if you've got family and you know that you like a particular area, stay in that area, right? Mm -hmm. um, you also know already a lot of things about where you already live you know right. what are the good neighborhoods what are the bad neighborhoods yep. um, you know you may know all kinds of different things like oh during uh, you know down here in Florida during snowbird season you can't get anywhere because the roads become a parking lot for instance um, if you're in this section of town what if I go over here right so you know sort of like the inside baseball <laughs> yeah. um, and that's something that you want to be taking into effect yep. um, Definitely. There, you know, as I'm a real estate agent <laughs> in addition to all the other things that I do mm -hmm. contractor and builder and drywaller and all the, this investor, all that crap. But yeah, one of the things that I see is I find a lot of people who are, who want to move to the Sarasota area from up North right. and they don't know the area very well. And they'll see a listing on Zillow or something mm -hmm. and they'll call me as a real estate agent. Hey, I'm interested in this property. And I'm going, well, that house looks really nice in the pictures, but you don't see the neighborhood. I don't think this is the kind of place that you're thinking or right. you're thinking like, oh, well, maybe I could buy this house and use it as an Airbnb. <clears throat> and you're thinking, yeah, maybe that's not the right neighborhood. Right. So that's a long way of saying, um, I think it's important to buy 
when you're getting started anyway, mm -hmm. to try to find property in an area that you're familiar with because okay. you, you know sort of the criteria of what it is that you're looking at. So if you had to give three important general factors that are decision-making criteria for choosing a property, sure. you, one is location. Yeah. What would obviously. you say are, are, are the top three? Well, before I can answer that question, it may be a different three depending on what I'm trying to do with that piece of property, right? Okay. So if I'm trying to flip a piece of property, I can buy any house in any neighborhood. It doesn't really matter as long as I'm buying that house with enough space in order to improve it, right? To manually add value to that property, to mm. increase its worth and for me to make money on top of it. Mm. So flipping is easier in that respect because you can do it anywhere. If you get a good deal, it's a good deal. Right. If you're looking for a rental, are you doing an annual rental or are you doing a vacation rental? Are you doing a seasonal rental? Is this going to be uh, geared towards old people and snowbirds okay. or are you looking for families? Are you, you know, there's a lot of different questions that are involved with that. So which rental so. do you recommend and why? And then <laughs> what is that? What is the criteria available for that? Sure. So my recommendation is do ones that make money, right? So I own all kinds of different rentals, right? I own right. annual rentals. I own vacation rentals. Um, we're in the process of doing some development in another state, which is the first time that I'm doing that, doing something outside of my sort of neck of the woods. But I, awesome. my bottom line is I just want to buy things that make money. <laughs> right. That's my intent. That's right. the only reason I want to be involved in right. real estate. Uh, because it's a lot of work, it costs a lot of money, it is a, you know, there's a certain degree of risk that's attached to it and all of these things. So uh, my suggestion is get into a piece of property and investment that's going to cash flow and make you money right. uh, in the long run. But ultimately, right now, my mindset is more so on the short term space. Okay. I'm interested in short term space because of a couple of things. Number one is location. Where we're located right now, we were talking about this before we got rolling, is just a, you know, like, a two minute drive away from Siesta Key, which is often rated as one of the nicest beaches in the country, you know? Um, so we live in this little tourist town. So we have people coming here all the time. We're also the second large, the fastest yeah. growing city in the entire country right now, which means Sarasota. We have, Sarasota is the have, second fastest growing city. According in, to the article the I read country. this morning. So according know, to an uh, in, in article, <laughs> right? An article that I read. <laughs> right. Uh, but the bottom line is we do it's have compressed. a huge influx of people. Uh, coming into this area and okay. people like to vacation here. It's a great place to come. You know, yep. it's like, uh, it's a, just a sweet little spot. And so for those reasons, I like the idea of finding property that mm -hmm. I believe because we're in a growth market is going to continue to appreciate in value. It's right. become more valuable just by existing. Right. Um, I like finding property that uh, is going to be appealing to people who are coming from out of town because they want to come to a really nice place mm -hmm. that's really well cared for. And mm -hmm. that's the only kind of place that I like to buy. Right. And so for all of those reasons, I like short-term rentals. Now the benefit of short-term rentals too, is that the potential to earn money, cash flowing money, like to bring in a lot of extra dollars is significant uh, with short-term rentals as opposed to doing an annual rental. Right. And the reason for that is because First off, the house is always immaculate, right? You have to have it look exactly the way it looks on your Airbnb listing or your VRBO listing. And so the lawn is always manicured and all of the, you know, if, the, if there are problems, they get nipped in the bud right away. And so that maintains the value of the overall house. Um, but because we're doing it on a short term, somebody might be willing to spend, say, $400 a night. Yeah. Right? for yeah. a room and they may come and stay for a weekend. Right. Even if they're there for three nights, it's yeah. $1,200. Maybe right. you got fees and some other things like that, right. but a, a house, the one that you were mentioning earlier, that's right around the corner from here, that house might rent for $3,500 if I did an annual rental. 
Well, when we're in season, meaning that's when most people are coming down here during the winter time, snowbirds, mm -hmm. I can get like $8,000 a month. From short-term rentals. From short-term rentals. Because you have a weekend. So, you, so it, it, it's in season. So those, those weekends, even if you're not fully booked up during the weekdays or the right. earlier parts of the weekdays, the weekends, you can, 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 can create up. such a Correct. good cushion. That, exactly right. You yeah. know, so we can just yeah. generate more people right. rolling through and this right. is a benefit to us. And so for those reasons, yeah, we like, yeah. that's, that's kind of where I'm at. But So just to like keep numbers in there. So that rental, you said it's approximately like, like it's a 400K home, something like that. Like the mortgage is anywhere from what, 1200 to, to 2200? Yeah, well, that we used to be when they didn't have interest rates. So right, right now, right. so the, the, to keep the numbers accurate, so I bought right. the house when it was a giant pile of crap for right. four hundred grand. Got it. And then I put one hundred and fifty thousand dollars into it. it. Okay. Yeah, um, and so we the mortgage that we have is somewhere in that four hundred thousand dollar range. And Got by it. the time you pay what's called PITI, it's principal and interest, right. which is what you pay to the bank, plus right. taxes and insurance, which is what you pay. To, to the state, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. To, for your property taxes and for the insurance costs. Yeah. That payment's about $3,500 a month. Got it. For 400 grand. Okay. So, so like, oh, that, that payment is how much you said? 3,500. Total. Correct. Got it. So if you're doing annual, you're saying, and it was approximately 3,500 bucks, you're basically breaking even. But if you're doing short-term rental and you're playing the seasons right and you're marketing it well on Airbnb, Correct. you can be cash flowing like four, three or, you know, four three and a half. Four and a half. A month. And like, that's a yes. salary. That's you know, pretty darn good. Yeah, that's, there was a time not a long time ago when that's what I used to make in a month working full time. Yeah, right? exactly. And this thing runs itself. My manager takes care of everything. All I yep. do is, you know, drive by it every now and again, and make, make sure decisions. everything's doing what it's supposed to be. And yeah. then, yeah, collect okay. a check. And that's cash flow. That's what we're ultimately driving forward. So we're going to get into like building your team and like your manager. Um, but just to like to, to finish off this point. So you would say that for short-term rentals as a great way of making more money. And I also want to get more into the system of, you mentioned like keeping it polished, you're gonna to have to have a team in place, systems that maintain that, that aesthetic all the time. It's convenient for you right now because you're close by, so you can always do a quick little, like you can always clean up after something and, and save I can literally do drive-bys and make yeah. sure that people aren't having Everything's parties good, or, right? you know, there's And you probably have your checklist and your standardization of like, check all these things, make sure all of it's good so that yeah, you so just don't make any errors. And to be honest with you, I don't do that. My yeah. property manager does that. That's what I hire them to do, right? So Beautiful. their job is to make sure that all of this stuff is in place because nice. I want it to be passive income. Right. Passive means that it's money that I earn without me having to do a whole lot of stuff for totally. it anymore, yeah. right? So you build a machine. Absolutely. And and then that machine prints you money. That's the goal. And so, right. so I don't handle that stuff. I just right. drive by because I live around the corner. Right. <laughs> and so right. I like to drive by, okay, the house still looks good. And right. I'm making sure that my machine, right, the, my team are doing what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, they're the, really the boots on the ground who are handling right. those things and letting the deal do itself. And just to also clarify, I don't want to give anybody any kind of false uh, understanding. That $7,000 per month or $8,000 that we may be earning really only happens in season, which is about a six month period of time. Right. The other six months, we're not gonna be earning that seven or 8,000, it's a, it rotates through. So we may be in a situation where one month I only get 3,000. So I may have a month in a August. cash flow, right? Where I have a negative cash flow, right? right. But the idea is, is that over the course of the year, I'm going to net, meaning I'm going to actually have more dollars in my hand than it costs me to run this <clears throat> business. And then not and to so, mention, at any given point, you have an asset that appreciates that you can sell and turn around if you need right. to. That's exactly and right. Especially, yeah. yeah. So in, even in if you're only cash flowing like 30, 40, 50 grand a year, in the beginning, right. 
and, and it, could, well, it could be more and you well it, realistically it's going to be significantly less than that okay. you know i mean so okay. your goal my goal anyway is to try to cash flow a thousand dollars per month per on average on average per property right so great. um yeah. yeah some months i may get four and then other months i may have negative 500 but right. over the course of that year my goal is to cash flow a thousand dollars for this investment in this particular case i've got the you know we bought it for 400 i put 150 into it so i have five hundred fifty thousand dollars into this property but the value of that thing is roughly seven hundred thousand right so i've got hundred and fifty thousand dollars in equity so if it comes to a situation where we decide I need that 150 because I'm going to buy another opportunity or because of whatever else um, I can sell it and I should be able to get that 150 to take to do something else with. Right. Um, or it can just continue to pile up and maybe 10 years and maybe worth $900,000 and yeah. now you've got 350, right? All so, while it was cash flowing for you throughout the time, correct. creating you more money. Exactly. Because right. the, the original 150K that you sunk into it, you didn't sink into it, you added into it. Correct. Because you get to pull that out. Because that, that initial cost expenditure right. ends up being equity that creates value in the home. That's correct. So then you yes. all you did was just you just added however like how much you cash flowed on an annual basis, right. you added that to your to your pocket. Correct. And if you refinance it correctly, you can get all of that money back, right? I mean that's kind of the, right. the idea. You can buy the property, you fix it up, and it's then brilliant. when you refinance it on the back end, you get all of that money back so that yeah. you're not just dumping hundreds of thousands of dollars every time you're trying to collect yeah. a uh, a new investment. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, so the top three decision criteria would be location, uh, like the numbers and the like cash flow. Cash flow criteria. Cash that's flow potential the yes. is the biggest one. Correct. Yeah, I mean, that's really just like the, those, those two are, Those are the big ones, you know. I mean, right. it's like, yeah. so obviously we want to make sure we're conforming to local right. laws. You know, we have to make sure that we're following all the rules and all right. of this kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the big one is, can I make money on it? And honestly, that's, that's the question that's going to mm-hmm. drive all the other questions. Mm-hmm. Can I make money on this right. opportunity? Well, can you buy it at the right price? Yeah. Can you do the work that's necessary in order to get it to wherever you need to get it to? So that's, that's where I want to go. So I've, I've identified, I, I know that the area is growing and there's a lot of great growing cities around the country, oh, around yeah. the United States, mm-hmm. Florida, like I'm living in St. High. Petersburg, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota. Yeah. And then I'm also from like the Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton area. Like those are all great. Yep. probably going to be the more whole expensive state right now. It's right. crazy. Yeah. yeah, the whole state's going crazy. I've decided that I want to I know the location, I know the, you know, my criteria and I I'm finding potentially good properties and deals. This show is for blue collar workers that might have more of a skill set to be able to put in some of the work that some of these properties are going to need. It sounds like to me that the more of a skill set you have to be able to build properties, the wider array of deals that you're going to be able to have at your disposal to make valuable for you. Because someone like me, I couldn't, I literally asked him what drywall was <laughs> when I got here <laughs> 15 minutes ago. So it would be, I would need to either have uh, the resources to learn how to build a home and I would also need the time, the daily time requirement, anyway, from two to three to possibly four hours later nights after you know running my business to be able to put in the time that it would need to take to be able to get a property into a good place. And so what I wanna ask you is, for the audience, we're gonna assume that they have at least a basic level of understanding of how to like use their hands to build stuff. Sure. And if not, 
you know, they're learning a lot of the ideology and mindset behind what it takes to learn those skill sets in the first place. Right now, if I was to leverage like a first time buyer's loan, you know, and, and I, I found a piece of property and I, you know, like it's, it's not, not, not a lot of people have like 10 grand sitting in their bank account, frankly, they don't. Sure. Right. And it's probably going to take, you're going to want to have a good cushion, especially if you're buying nicer homes like this that might be more expensive in the first place. Right. Can you finance a lot of the costs that you're going to expect? Yeah. Um, and then also, is it more important for you to first get your hands on uh, and learning what it's going to take to make a home profitable in the end? Or would you recommend starting to find people to be a part of your team right away to start focusing on building the system that can expedite that, that selling process? Yeah, so makes sense. it does. It does make sense. Um, I'll start with this. As somebody who hasn't, who wants to get involved in real estate, I, my suggestion for the first thing that anybody should do, anybody, uh, whether you're blue collar or whether you're not, is sort of irrelevant. First off, don't worry about all of this stuff. You're going to figure it out as you go. That's number one. You don't know things about construction. You do know people who do know things about construction, right? Correct. I don't know things about social media. That's why I hired you, right? right? And I say to you, I don't know how to do this. You take care of this for me. Right. And I trust you to be an expert in that field. So for instance, if right. you were to buy a house, you hire a guy like me to say, hey, guy who knows things about houses, can you get this? You know, yeah. What do I need to be looking for? Right. for? What do I need to be aware of? And then I can answer those questions for you. Um, and so that's the first thing is don't worry about that. That's, gonna be, that's not that big a deal. You'll be fine. Cool. Um, second thing is to get started in real estate, you should own your own house first. That's the first thing. Um, you will not lose money on real estate, no matter what, if you don't let it fall apart, right? The only reason the houses ever decrease in value is because they let the houses fall apart. They let the roof leak too long and then it starts deteriorating the sheetrock and they've got animals climbing up, you know what I mean? Like all of those sort of things. Mm. So don't do that, maintain your house and then wait. Right, because it, everybody who owned a house in 2005, when it was at the top of the market back then, right, and they bought a house, and then in 2008, a few years later, it was at nothing. Well, if they waited until 2015, they made money on their house. Their house is, was more worth more in 2015 than it was in 2005 when they originally bought it, and now it's worth probably three times more than that in 2023 than it was back then. And so. Um, Warren Buffett said this, and somebody asked him, how much money did you lose during the stock market crash of 2008? He said, none, because I didn't sell any of my shares. You don't lose anything as long as you don't take less than you paid for it, right? right. So you just wait, and that's the beautiful thing about real estate. Yeah. It will increase in value no matter what. So you, um, yeah. so you want to be able to wait out the storm. If, correct. Uh, right. In general, you want to have a good cushion, solid financial foundation. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so. Enough. So, you know, my, my perspective is on this, like I say, my, my first suggestion for to anybody would be to buy a house that you own that you can live in because right now you live somewhere and presumably right. you're paying rent. If you're paying rent, you're just paying the other guy's mortgage. Yeah. Don't pay the other guy's mortgage, pay your mortgage, you know? You've yeah. got to live somewhere anyway, right? So you may yeah. as well pay it to yourself as opposed to giving it to somebody else. That's my right. first thought. It's like, yeah, we all need money. Yeah, bad things can happen. Yeah, economies can change. Yeah, you can lose a job. You still have to live somewhere, you know what I mean? So find somewhere where you can live and then uh, live into it. Now, like we talked about in this episode that you referenced um, a, a little while ago, I was talk, answering one of the mailbag questions from a veteran who had a unique opportunity to do some things. And my suggestion to him was to buy a house for himself so he has a place to live 
for a couple of reasons, and we'll dive into that, that'll answer another one of your questions. But try to find somewhere that can also cash flow while you are living there. So I, I like to use the example of my brother who did this. Uh, my, he's 10 years younger than me, um, but he's 18 years old. He goes out and he buys a duplex. He lives in one side, he rents the other side out. His mortgage is paid for by other people. Now he's got a zero risk proposition. He doesn't have to pay any money to live in his house. He doesn't have to pay rent. He doesn't have to pay a mortgage because the people next door are doing it for him. Crazy. In his case, he rents out the other bedrooms in his duplex. Now he's making money, right? So he's yep. cash flowing by living in his own house. And that's something that I would suggest that you can do if you can. If you buy a single family place, that's great. Rent out the other bedrooms if that's something that's conducive to you. Yeah. If you can buy a duplex or a quadplex or whatever you can do, do that so that you right. can start generating cash flow from your house and then you move on to doing whatever other you know projects you wanna do. Yeah. Now in that case, I was talking to a veteran who had access to a VA loan like you mentioned earlier, a VA loan is a unique product that allows people to buy houses with no money down, like a 0% down payment. We have something similar to that in the civilian world for what we call first-time home buyers, and it's known as an FHA loan. And it's basically the same idea. The only difference is instead of having a 0% down payment, it's 3.5%. So which is bad. like not a lot of money, right? That's I mean, bad. it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be a few thousand dollars. Yes. It's still going to be like, Oh my God, how am I going to afford that? But you can come up with three and a half percent. It's a heck of a lot better than paying 25% or 30%, which is what you're going to run into as you get, get further more. down into the, <laughs> into this world. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, wow. yeah, so three and a half percent is a doable number. Uh, the criteria on that, just like with the VA loan is that you have to live in it for right. at least one year in right. order to, buy that piece of property um, and, but you can buy anywhere from a one to a four family dwelling. I mean, you can buy right. a single family or a duplex, a triplex or right. a quadplex. So it's probably best and most advantageous to buy a place that has multiple units so that you can rent it out. Well, and it, but that'll make it more expensive. It will, it right. will, but those costs are gonna be offset by the people who are gonna be right. paying that mortgage on your behalf. And how anyway. easy would you say it is to fill, to fill uh, people to join to find good tenants and fill them into your place your first time sure. in a decent area that you chose. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is that everybody lives somewhere. Right. You know, we all, and we've totally. all been in the situation, we've all been renters, we've totally. all know what it's like to want to find a house. So what did you do when you're looking for wherever you live now? Right. You go online, you look for an ad, you see it on Facebook, you see it on, yeah. you know, apartments.com or wherever. Yeah. And you say, this looks like a decent place. It's in the area where I want to be and it's in mm -hmm. my price range. You call them and then you, you get the place. And that's really all you do on the other side too. You know, you right. just send it out there and say, hey, I've got this product and then yeah. people will come and take it, you know? Um, I don't really do any serious advertising with any of my stuff. I just put a sign out in the front yard. And people will, who live in that community will be driving by and going like, oh look, a two bedroom, two bath for whatever, $1,200 a month. Let me call this number and ask Pretty the guy good. a question. Right, yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring this up because one of the, these are one of the things that people always get super worried about if they're not experienced landlords. And I even yeah. talk to people who are experienced landlords and they still get all up in arms about it, about like, how do you find good tenants? Like you can do background checks and like you can do a certain degree of, of uh, trying to understand the person that you're hiring, but unless you know them personally, you don't know <laughs> anything about this person. Right. Uh, you can tell like their credit score, do they pay their bills? That's an mm -hmm. important one uh, if you're somebody collecting rent. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a, believer in just if you don't have a giant like rap sheet that i'm afraid of for whatever reason do a basic background check and you have decent credit then 
come on in and give it a shot because I own some very, very nice houses and I own some very not as nice houses. And I've had people destroy my really nice houses, people who make a lot of money and who pay a lot of money in rent. And I've had people who take immaculate care of my very entry level, you know, low income type of family. So the bottom line is, is that there are great people and scumbags in every walk of life and every area of town and every income bracket. Um, And I don't know that you can really know for sure, you know, there are indicators, right? Like I say, I mean, if you have bad credit and you've already proven that you don't pay your bills, then yeah, maybe I, you know, I don't want to take a chance on this. But uh, generally speaking, I just throw a sign out in the front yard and right. do, do some entry level, you know, kind of backing up. So right. if you were to buy yourself a duplex, let's say, and you're trying to fill this place next door, you may know, you may have friends who want to live there. You can do it simply that way. You can put an ad out on Facebook and then you just kind of get a feel if you like them. Yeah. Sign them up, and if you don't, don't. You know. That's... And a duplex that's in a decent area is probably going to be competitive and higher price. Sure. So you'll, you'll need a higher higher capital investment in the beginning. But well, potentially, right? So it's that's not always the case. You know, um, it oftentimes it is, and you'll you'll be in competition with people like me who are out there trying to find deals like this, right? And who have mm-hmm. a little bit, who have access to different resources. Um, but there are a lot of properties that. You, you know, all you have to do is go out there and put your nose to the grindstone, to the grindstone, and find a deal. I mean, that's what we have to do from yeah. like professional investor side. We go out there and we just have to find a deal, and it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, this is a pain in the ass, or like yeah. everything is expensive, or people want too much money, or you know, there's all kinds of roadblocks. You just have to push those to the side and just keep going until you find the one that you want. <laughs> so, what was what was the most important failure or learning lesson that you made in terms of? your approach to finding deals. Not about the deals, not about what happened with them, but like what, like, what, what really helped you get so much better at finding deals? And I know that you always talk and harp on you happen to work in homes as being a drywall worker. And so you have a benefit of the word of mouth for you know people that you meet and that kind of spreads. And, because you've gotten a chance to build rapport, they trust you and they're more willing to sell their home, sure. some that's emo- that they have an emotional attachment, some, some that they also care about, which is great. But, and you've, he's given that advice you know, a plethora of times on, on uh, the Blue Clock Blueprint and he will con- probably continue to do so. But if that's not the case, if you don't have the opportunity, what's like the second best way of finding yeah. deals for so, someone like myself that's yeah, not working yeah. So. There are a million ways to buy houses. I mean, like you can drive around this entire country and literally see houses for hours and hours and hours and hours. There are a gazillion houses all over the place all the time. Some of them have for sale signs in the front yard and some of them don't. All of them are for sale, right? Potentially, all of them. So the thing is, is that you can, all you have to do True. is open your mouth and ask people, are you interested in selling this house? Now. Most of the time, like 99% of the time, they're gonna be like, no, my house is not for sale, I live here. Uh, But I can tell you, if some guy knocked on my door and gave me the right deal, yeah, sure, you know, I'll sell my house, why not? You know, if if it was something that was, you know, that fit my needs. And there are a lot of people who are in situations just like that, where they'll be willing to sell their house. So in a situation like with what you're in, uh, if you're going out looking for your first deal is to first off be aware that every house is a potential house that you could buy every single one right so that's the first thing it says a lot of people have this sort of like closed off narrow Scarcely view mindset, yeah. they're thinking like oh man you know like yeah. i can go on zillow and those houses are the ones that are for sale it's like well no there's houses that will be coming on sale next week right 
that are empty already and they're in talks with their realtors. What if you can get a hold of that house before it hits the market and before guys like me go out there and see it online and then go in and you know, make cash offers and all these sort of things. Mm. So if you can start identifying properties that you find interesting, then you can do that. So what I do, this neighborhood is where I like to invest and it's also where I live, right? So I buy as many houses in this neighborhood as I can. I know it really well. Um, I know what it takes to get these houses up and there's all these sort of benefits. And so I do what we call farming this neighborhood. I drive around this thing all the time, right? When I'm coming home, I go home 13 different ways. Yeah. I'm looking to see, do That's I see, what I was a, gonna ask. So do I see a, a moving truck? It's a manual truck? search process for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like I do extra time. It's just like when I'm coming home from the grocery store, I just go this road instead of this road. Mm. And oh, I've never been around this block. Let me take 30 seconds to drive through here. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, you know, hey, look, that house looks like it's overgrown. I wonder if somebody moved out. Or this house has a for rent sign. For rent signs, to me, are for sale signs, right? 99%, you call them up. Hey, I see your house is for rent. Would you be willing to sell it to me? No, it's for rent. I don't want to do that. Okay, that's fine. But maybe they do want to sell it. Most of the time, if somebody calls me about one of my rentals, is your you know can I buy your house? Sure. How much do you want to pay me for it? Right. If you pay me the right number, yeah, I'll sell it to you. You know. Hmm. Um, and so uh, that's what I would probably suggest. If you know there's a neighborhood that you like, I would be driving around looking for houses that look like they're in garbage condition. That's usually a pretty good indicator that that person either doesn't have the time, they don't have the money uh, to fix it up, which means that they maybe they could use a partner. Watch an episode that'll be coming out shortly. We'll be talking about this. Um, um, who could use a partner and so somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of resources to leverage you could potentially partner with that person <laughs> to fix that house up and uh, then, you know you could either buy it yourself refinance it on the back end I mean, there's a hundred things that you can do yeah um, or you can find a situation you see somebody with a moving truck or an estate sale an estate sale usually happens when somebody passes away and they're selling all the crap that was in this house to get right. it ready to sell Right. I've gone to many estate sales uh, and said, hey, guy who's running this estate sale, like, is this house, are you guys going to be selling this house? Yeah. You know, what if I can buy it from you right now? Um, in my case, I go to a lot of different houses over the course of time, and I simply ask people, would you be interested in selling me this house? And most of the time they say no, and that's okay, right? I, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes <laughs> they say yes, you yeah. know? So you, you yeah. never know if you don't ask. So every house is for sale. Uh, eventually at some point on the time scale and it might be just that time so to answer your question more specifically what were my biggest mistakes my biggest mistakes were not realizing that every house is for sale I probably let God knows how many jobs just like slip through my fingers because I didn't open my mouth and ask yeah right there's nothing worse than being a real estate investor and then finding out that somebody got a great deal like right next door to your own personal house and you're like yeah what damn the it. hell? Like, damn it, I, <laughs> damn I could have bought that house. You know? yeah. And I've had that happen to me many times. It's yeah. like, all I had to do was talk to this neighbor yeah. and say, hey, you know, just so you know, like, I buy houses and I'd be interested in buying your house if you ever want to sell. Or yeah. if you decide to sell, let me talk to you first, you know? Yeah. Um, and just being involved in that way. So, it, yeah, it's, it's always mind-boggling to me how many people just don't bother asking. They wait for a for sale sign to come up. We talked about this in, in, in an episode recently too about getting a job. You don't have to wait until somebody's putting a listing out there to say like, hey, we're looking for help. Everybody's looking for Great help. Point. Just call yeah. them. If they say yeah. no, what, what's it matter? It took yeah. you 12 seconds. Just hang up, that's it. Hey, yeah. do you have a job? No, okay, no problem. I'll call yeah. back another company, you know? Yeah. And that's what you do. You just get your nose to the grindstone and you go out and you, you find opportunities. So, so in today's, today's market, 
the interest rates are are gouged right now. Hmm. Um, okay, I, explain that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, so that so. to someone that doesn't know much, I know that interest rates are the highest that, they, that they've ever been, and so. For me, they're the highest they've no, been in that, your adult life. In, 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 my, in my adult life, <laughs> right. and they've, they're the highest they've been in a long time, yeah, yeah. and there's been such a polar drastic change from 0% yeah. to 8%. Correct. And so someone that doesn't know a lot of information like you yeah. will just think right off the bat like myself, oh, it's not a good time to buy right now. Right, correct. So, and so um, I guess that my, my question is, is it not a good time to buy right now? And obviously your reaction... Yeah, I... I um... I understand your perspective because it's it's pervasive and it, and everybody falls victim to it. We like it when things are cheaper, right? Uh, but prices go in one direction, generally speaking. They almost always go up. In a real estate, that's with with a very few exceptions, mm-hmm. they go up, right? right. Um, the the rates that we have right now, I think the prime rate sitting somewhere close to eight percent right now. So if you get like a regular conventional mortgage where you are going to live in the house, you're going to be paying close to eight percent, which sounds crazy when just two or three years ago it was like three percent. Right. Now that could be like like on this loan that I was telling you about over here, four hundred thousand dollar loan. I'm paying thirty five hundred dollars. If I had done this deal three years ago at four hundred grand, I might be paying like twenty eight hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Seven hundred bucks is a lot of difference, right? Yeah, it is. So it if is. I'm cash flowing a thousand, I could have been cash flowing seventeen hundred if and I had bought it. Pounds, right. 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 Um, but let me give you a quick history lesson. First off, eight percent is the average interest rate over the last, since the Fed has existed. Um, uh, in the eighties, like when your mom was buying, you know, her house or your grandparents in the seventies and eighties, uh, interest rates were like 16%. That was normal. That was a normal price to pay for a loan back in those days. And they didn't have FHA, so they couldn't buy a house with their three and a half percent down. They had to come up with a 20% down payment. Wow. So like all of these people who always whine and complain about like, oh, well, the boomers ruined everything for us. And like our generation are such horrible victims and we don't have opportunity. They just don't know what they're talking about. Um, Right. You don't have to come up with 20%. You only need three and a half. Eight percent is higher than it was a few years ago. And that kind of sucks. But things were on sale for 10 years. Now the sale is over. Right now we're just back in normal times. When rates went down to 8% in the 90s and in the early 2000s, people were throwing parties because it was like, oh my God, they're giving this money away. And if you think about it, I mean, if you put your money into an investment and you're getting 8%, it's kind of like, yeah, that's fine, but that's like barely beating inflation, right? Like if you have an investment account. Right now, you got inflation in like 5 6%. You would only be making 2% on your money. That's You can get that in a savings account. It's a garbage investment, right? So the, the reason I'm saying that is that we kind of look at 8% and go like, hey, that's not that great from when you're making money on the 8%. But when you're paying it, people are like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I have to pay 8%. It's like, no, that's just kind of what money costs to borrow, you know? If you go to a hard money lender, which is a person who will give you money in exchange for interest, They've got 15% rates. That's the standard in, you know, in most hard money scenarios across the country for real estate investors. It's a great tool. And real quick, hard money versus soft money? So, well, so hard money is a term that, specific, that is specifically talking about a guy who has a big fat pile of cash who will loan it to somebody else got to it. buy a piece of real estate. That's got what it. we call hard money. So, you know, I use hard money all the time. If I don't have the cash sitting in the bank to pay 400 grand, but I do have a hundred thousand that I can use as a down payment. Then I'll get a hard money loan and I'll borrow three hundred grand to make up that difference, and then pay that guy fifteen percent interest on the three hundred thousand. Now fifteen percent hurts. Nobody likes it, right? Nobody likes paying interest, um, but it's just a part of 
using other people's money, right? And if I'm calculating my math and I'm rolling that into part of what I'm expecting as a part of this investment opportunity, then it's no big deal. It's just a part of, it's like, you know, a roof costs 15 right. grand. That's what it costs. Right. Okay. Holding this property for six months is going to cost me 20,000. That's what it costs. I put it in the budget and then I buy it appropriately. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about the interest rates. If they go down, great. Refinance it and get a lower, lower payment, but they might go up. You know, they might go back to 15% or 16%, which they did for 20 years in the 70s and 80s. That was super normal. Um, so yeah, hell with that. You know, like my suggestion is to get the hell in right fixed now. Fixed rate, right? If it goes low, fixed rate for sure. Always go fixed rate if you can. Um, if you're looking at something for a long term. Why fixed rate? Because you can plan, right? You, you are hedged plan, against right. what if rates go to 15%. Well, now you're going to be happy you've got 8%. You're going to be thinking, oh, thank God I got in when right. it was 8. You know, just like the people now are saying, thank God I got in when it was 3 or 4. Right. So, uh, yeah, fixed rate is the way to go, particularly on your own property. A lot of people who lost their shirt in the 2008 crash, which was a unique time that is, I don't want to say isn't going to happen again, but it's only happened one time ever in American history in the way that it did at that time. And we recovered in like five years. It wasn't that big of a deal, right? I mean, everybody makes it out to be this huge calamity. It's became an opportunity for people like me who were like, hey, hell, the houses are on sale, you know? Um, but fixed rate is a benefit of, to you because if the rates go higher, you have the exact same price for your house. So if your house, your payment is 1500, it's gonna be 1500 as long as you keep it that way. And if rates go back down to 3%, refinance it and maybe make it into $1,100 payment and you so can So there's no downside to, to getting fixed rate? Like, I would, no, I certainly don't think so. So the reason that for people... Planning, for planning purposes. Co correct, yeah. So some the reason that people would do an, a variable rate is because they sometimes will get a discounted rate for the first few years, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you may get like 6% let's say, and then after a couple of years, then they're going to start tacking on interest. And that can become very expensive because your payment right. might be that 1200 and then in a couple of years when the interest rate changes, it may go up to 2000 right. And that, that's not in your budget. A lot of people can lose their houses that way. That's exactly what happened to a lot of people in 2008. Right. That's why they lost their houses right. uh, to many people. Hmm. So. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there, man. It's a, it's a, there's a, there's a wide world, but you know, all of this probably sounds very daunting. You're probably like, oh my God, every time you answer yeah. a question, 13 more come into your head. Um, and I so sympathize with this because I started in real estate when I was 18. I bought my first house in 2007, which was a really bad time to buy a house because a year later sure, it yeah. went from, I bought it for a hundred thousand dollars a year later it went to like $30,000. That's what it was worth. I had a negative net worth at that time, negative 70 grand, you know, to get myself started. So, oh, this sucks. Um, and, you, and you didn't stop. But, no, hell no, no, man. Cause it was like, and I didn't like it. I wasn't happy about it, but I was able to get a tenant into it after I was, I lived in the house for a handful of years and paid the bill just like I would have been paying rent if I was in an apartment or something anyway. So right. I paid the rent. How old and were you? When, uh, 18 when I bought the house. You were 18 yeah. when you bought your first house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I gra so I bought, we closed in November after I graduated high school. So I graduated wow. in May and yeah, it, it sucked because I, I had, I've always been a worker and I saved up a bunch of money while I was in high school and I put all of the money into buying this house. And I was like, hell yeah. I yeah. just like you said, like, I feel cool. I'm 18 years old and right. I bought a house. And then the market 
just happened to tank immediately thereafter. And yeah. so my life savings was gone. I didn't have any cash. My yeah. credit was totally tied up. I was making like $12 an hour, you know, working at a, a now defunct electronics store, you know, it was, it was, and going to school full time and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So it sucked, you know, it was bad. Uh, but I was able to get a tenant into it and I continued paying that mortgage and it took me 10 years before that property came up high enough for me to be able to sell it and get out without losing money. And so, like I said to you before, I guess my question is like, you know, were you, you were probably obviously still working because once you own the house and you get it and you had enough of of a financial cushion to be able to both support the mortgage and also have a little bit of your own cushion financially to just have flexibility in your own life in case any other things come up. And that's, that's always the first step. You began buying, you know, one more home, two more homes. Yeah. Like, like, what, what was that? What was that process sure. like once you once you first made your first purchase and you kind of started getting a little bit more lift off? And how did how did all those like the the rules of compounding? Yeah. So um, I did it wrong. <laughs> so I didn't know what I was doing. Great. All I knew I wanted to do was buy real estate because you look around, you go like, okay. Everybody who has money has real estate. And, you know, if you look up the statistics, like 75 or 80% of American millionaires, millionaires because they own real estate, right? So most people in this country own their wealth in real estate. So it was like, okay, well, that seems pretty clear. That's something that we want to do. My dad had been like marginally involved with real estate up until this point, And he had, you know, he had always handed me the books and I always read the books. So I knew a lot of these ideas going in. What I didn't know was how to leverage it, and I certainly didn't know what was coming in 2008, right? So I buy this house with the intent of living into it for a couple of years and then wanting to rent it out when I got out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I bought this little condo that was walking distance away from the college where I went up at USF in Tampa. And so I paid $100,000, and I was like, great, now I'm going to have a house that I can live in. I can go to school right up the block, and then when I'm done, I'm going to have this great rental unit because all of these kids come to this college, and they're going to need to live someplace. And so I thought, okay, this will be a good opportunity. I'm going to live into it. I'm going to rent it uh, when I move out and then I'll go do something else. And that's exactly what I did, despite the fact that we, you know, the economy tanked and all this kind of thing. Basically, I bought that condo with my FHA loan. So I put the three and a half percent down, got into the condo, lived into it. And then I saved up a few bucks, you know, over the course of the next like three or four years, years. got through school. Years. Years. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. You know, and which in hindsight was foolish. I wish I had done it a different way. If I knew then what I know now, I would have, I would have been going out there and buying like every single thing I could get my hands on. I would have been buying those other $30,000 condos yeah. instead of crying about like, oh, now mine, one, is, right. mine is sadly uh, lower than it otherwise ought to be. The next thing I did was I bought another house for right. me to live in. Right. And I used the FHA loan again. You can use it two times in your life. And so I used it for the second time and I bought another house. By this point, the market was a total garbage heap. And so I got a really good deal on this house. I bought it, did a little bit of fixing up to it. Um, but basically I was still broke and I was still not making much money. I had gotten through college and I was a school teacher at the time. Uh, and I was like, damn, I just don't have any money and I really want to get involved in real estate. And my dad at this point started getting into the flow, right? And he was like buying everything and get his hands on. He's buying duplexes for 40 grand or something. I'm thinking like, that's amazing. I know that's an incredible deal. I don't have 40 grand. You got 40 grand, that's great, because you got this business and you've got access to this money. I don't, right? I'm a school teacher and I'm like just that's, barely making that's, it by. That's where I'm at right now, yeah. Yeah, and so most people are in this situation, you know? Um, 
So what I did was I knowledge that I learned from all these books that I've been reading, you know, over the course of my life. And I basically put together a, what, what is known as a seller financing deal. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any skill. I wasn't in the blue collar trades. I didn't really know how to do anything. I was a little handy, but that was about it. You know, I identified a deal, approached the seller of this deal. And I said, look, I can't buy your house. I don't have the money to buy your house. I know you want to sell it and I know it can be a good deal. Let's partner on this thing. And essentially what we did is I got them to agree to give me the keys for one year. And then with those keys, I could go into that house, tear it apart, remodel it, put it all back together and then sell it for as much money as I possibly could. If you start driving around with the intent of thinking like I can buy any one of these houses and I should, you will be like, oh my God, there's opportunities all over the place. It will feel like there's like there's like you're drowning in like opportunity, really. Yeah. And then just start asking people, even if you don't know how to do it, all you gotta do is get on the horn. Jordan, oh my God, I found this deal. Like, what do yeah. I do? <laughs> and I'll be like, don't worry, dude, you know, like do this, this, That's and this, saying, or yeah. like, which maybe like sell it to me or sell it, go down to your real estate group. And then, you know, like there's a hundred ways to make money on real estate. Yeah. And it's so simple. Yeah. Like you need your 20 grand, you can make, I can guarantee you, man, if you like spent a week going out and like picking a method of buying a real estate, you can make $20,000 like this month if you wanted to, if you had to, I guarantee you, you could do it. All you would have to do is identify a deal and then sell it sell to the investor. Yeah. Just, just like what I talked talk right. about in that episode. Right. I mean, people have entire businesses where that's all they do. You could do that. It's wholesale. You know? Go to the estate sales. You could literally just drive around and go to estate sales yeah. and ask people, is this house for sale? and then like a lockdown a contract right then and there. When you say estate sales, you mean like people selling everything inside, their, inside the house? Yes, yeah. Like you see like a, a lot of times people will hire companies and they'll have like estate sale at this address. It's a garage sale. Yeah. But sometimes they'll just open the house and you just walk through and they're selling all of the furniture and all of this stuff. I wonder if there's um, a way, if there's a place where people locally post Yeah, they advertise them. them. Yeah, they yeah. advertise them on- I'm gonna find places of the- Craigslist, I mean there's, there's all kinds of places. You know, there's websites where you can advertise That's garage sales, right. garage sales, moving sales, same thing. People cool. are already moving. Um, there's a thousand ways, you know, but like literally just driving around and asking for rent signs. If you, somebody, if somebody is renting a house um, and they want $2,500 a month for this and you think, okay, I can like, I can live with that. You can ask them can you, to owner finance it for you and then you just pay them the $2,500. I think they may be willing to sell it to you just for the $2,500 without you ever having to go to do your FHA loan and doing all this other stuff. Um, there's a, a billion ways to buy real estate that people just don't know about. Wait, can you, can you repeat that again? Can you? Yeah. So, so let's say that you find a house that's for rent and the house is renting for $2,500 a month. And you call the guy and you say, Hey, um, I am interested in buying your house. I would like you to sell it to me, but I would like to be a seller finance and basically. So what it was called is a, um, a lease with an option to buy. Um, and so what you do is you sign a contract saying, I am willing to pay you $300,000 for your house and I will pay you that $300,000 in five years or within five years or three years or whatever. This is called the balloon. If he goes, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Um, and then you say, okay, I'm gonna pay you this rent. It's not gonna cut down my payment or you know the amount at all. And I'm now locked into this agreement with you. Well, if that house goes from 
300,000 on the day that you made that agreement when you started renting it from him. And then it goes to $500,000 within that five years. You can just sell it for 500,000 and put 200 in your pocket. I mean, it sounds like a balloon payment can be potentially scary. Well, so the goal at that point is that you are using that three or five years to get into a position where you can either refinance it, you know, just go out and get a mortgage on it. Now, right. if the value has increased because you've done improvements to the house, you know, you fixed it up and you remodeled it, right? And like your goal is still to, my goal personally would be to add value to that piece of property. And however I could, um, and by doing that, I'm building an equity, which means I'm now refinancing the property instead of financing it on the front end. And so I don't have to come to the table with any cash. Right. So when you refinance it and you've added value into it by renovations or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you then would you, by refinancing it, you would get, you could possibly get that lump sum total from the bank. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you pay back, and then you pay back the, the agreed upon balloon price. payment with Correct. the other guy. Right. And now you, you own it and then you take out whatever chunk you, of You could ask, you could bring back more if you wanted to. So, you know, there's a, there's a thousand different ways to do that. But yeah, I mean, there's, there are a hundred ways. And why would somebody want to do this, right? Like why would the landlord agree to get into this sale price? What if you were to say to him, I see that your house, you know, I like this house. I'm willing to pay you the $2,500. I will be the best cover tenant. his mortgage. I'm right. going to be the best tenant you have ever had in your entire life because I want to be, have permission from you to do this, 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 and this to your house. If it needs a new roof, I'm going to put the new roof onto it. Yeah. You're not going to do that to your air conditioner breaks. I'm going to call the AC guy. You're not going to worry about that. I'm going to come in. I'm going to do the new floors. I'm going to give him a fresh coat of paint and I'm going to do the kitchen. I'm going to do all of this stuff. Um, and if I don't follow through with my part of the deal, too bad for me, you get a remodeled house for free. If I do follow through, you get this agreed upon price, which you're happy to take as it is right now. This house, you're gonna to continue to get this rent payment, Check. right, every month until I decide to close out this balloon um, or until it expires and then you get to repossess the house from me. And we're all good to go. And this is like a great deal for somebody if you have, um, a lot of people <laughs> want to get involved in renting real estate and then they find out that renting real estate is a business. It's not just a machine that prints money, right? Like obviously we talk about the passive income and all of this kind of thing. This is very important and very critical, uh, but it's still a business. You have to, you have to stay on top of it and roofs still have to get replaced and toilets still leak. And it's, it's a pain in the ass, just like every other way of making money, you know? Um, it costs money, you have to invest into it, and you have to do a lot of things in order to manage the property. Um, so a lot of people get into real estate thinking it's gonna be this simple, like totally passive thing. And then they find out that like, oh no, you gotta like chase around tenants because they never pay you on time. And then you get phone calls in the middle of the night. Oh, my toilet isn't flushing, what are you supposed to do? I mean, there's just problem after problem. It's just a part of being a business owner. Um, if you are not looking at it, what I was going to say is that if you find somebody who is a landlord who doesn't like being a landlord, which is most landlords, right? Somebody who owns one or two houses, that guy will be super thrilled to not have to worry about dealing with all of your shit anymore. And also if you don't make your payment on the first, like you told him you're going to do, he's taking your house, <laughs> you know what I mean? And all of the improvements that you did to it. So for him, it's like a zero risk proposition for you. It's all upside because you can get into that house, buy it with no money down, do whatever improvements you want to do, potentially cash flow it. Maybe you live in one room, you got two or three other rooms you're renting out. Now you can be generating cash. Um, and the property is still going to be appreciating over the course of time. You are manually involving your labor into it. 
And as um, long as you don't, as long as you don't mess up any of the agreements in the original leasing yeah, or still follow, financing deal, as long as you follow through with the contract, then mm-hmm. you have ownership rights of, of the property. Correct. Right. And right. at that point, it's your disposal to sell whenever you wanted to. You can sell it. You can close your balloon time. whenever you want. You close your payment. Right. And as long as you chose Which, a good spot, then at any given point, if if you know that the rent's going to be too much for you or something happens, correct. you can get a quick resale or turnaround from the bank and refinance it. it, and then they cover the balloon payment. Correct. Yeah, so you can either keep it by refinancing it or you can sell it and just pay them off with the proceeds from the sale and then you get whatever's left over. And I've done this. This is how I did my very first deal. That's how I got started when I was totally broke. Um, I got into a seller financing deal because I was totally poor. And I had, like I told you before, I had a negative net worth at the time. I literally had no money, Um, but I was able to identify a deal where the people needed to sell the house, right? They were in a situation where they had this house and they didn't want it anymore. I wanted it, but I didn't have the money. I had a one-year balloon because my intent was to flip it, right? So I was going to go in there and fix it, and I did. And how did I fix it when I didn't have any money? I had really good credit, and I had a lot of credit cards. (laughs) And I spent the shit out of those things. I mean, I swiped those cards like crazy. Uh, But I got that deal put together, and I made, you know, my first, like, operating chunk of money in this using this method and I knew that this existed because I read all of the books and I you know watched all the freaking YouTube videos and I go to the meetings and like I was just aware that maybe this is an option so how yeah. much how much time did you spend per day um, fixing up that home like were you also did you have a full-time yeah. job oh, yeah. as well I, I had a full-time job I was going to school full-time like going to college at the time so uh, and I was doing after-school programs Long story, but bottom line, I was probably working like 60 hour weeks just like at my job. Primary. Correct. Um, And now I didn't have a baby at the time, so it was significantly easier on that time. But yeah, I mean, every night I was there for two or three hours, like going and cranking it out. Um, And then every weekend I was there from like sunup to sundown, busting ass. Now, personally, I enjoy doing that. I like working hard. I, I'm one of those people that like when I'm sitting around, I start feeling lazy. I feel like a useless guy, you know, so I like working hard. And I have the same feeling that everybody else does. You know, you feel tired, you feel worn out. I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall and all of that kind of stuff. So like, I don't want to give anybody a false illusion, but ultimately I just like wanted this really bad. Like I knew that I didn't have any leverage. The only thing that I had was freaking grit. And I got, I found this opportunity. I was like, oh my God, I'm making this happen, you know? And uh, yeah, I just. So after the year you were able to, did you end up refinancing it? No, no. So we sold this property. um, After how long? uh, So it took about six months and I sold it in six months. It took six months to do all the renovations. And then it took another six no, months? No, it took about four months to do the renovations and then six months to close on the back end. And then, so we, so, so from the day finished, I entered the agreement, six months later, I had a check in my hand. Wow, okay. Yeah. So then in other words, the, the selling process after all the renovations were done yeah. was like two months. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. So it took By the time you, about, you get right. it listed and you, you know, somebody finds it right. and they get their financing, that, that's usually a, a somewhat right. time consuming And so you, you waited process. to find someone to come and buy. So what we did was we have a, a worked very closely with a real estate agent. I wasn't a licensed realtor at the time. This is my first deal um, in the investment space. And so, yeah, I, uh, we hired a real estate agent and he came in there and did what real estate agents do. He took a bunch of pictures, put it online. Somebody came in and bought it. And, and that was it. I put, you know, and, and so then you profited, you know, 
what it was, it was about 40 grand, 35, 40 grand, 40 grand which at the grand. time was, was significant. Like yeah. what I made in a year. You know what I mean? It was like, wow. and I made that in six months working on the nights and weekends. Now, why in my mind, I didn't say to myself, Hmm, why is it that I just made as much as I make in a year working 60 hours a week when I could just be doing this instead? Yeah. Imagine if you weren't working full time. Correct. You, what could I could have done? Maybe that six month period would have been a three, three months. months or maybe I could have been doing five of those properties instead right. of having a scarcity mindset that I dealt with for one. a long time. Right. You know, and I know you asked me questions like how much time did it take to do this way longer than it could have. Right. Because I was working under this assumption that I had to play so safe. You know, I was just not willing to put myself out there and just grab the bull by the horns and just do it. You know, yeah. I was so scared. Um, but now looking back, I'm like, what were you thinking, man? Like you were wasting time doing these other things that were, you know, you're spending the, the Pareto principle, right? You spend 80% of the time for 20% of the results. Well, I was spending 20% of the time for 80% of the results. It was Damn. so simple, you know? And so once you get yourself properly aligned, now all of a sudden you can be just like this value generating machine. And I still feel like that to this day. Like I'm sure that like one year from now, five years from now, I'm going to look back at my version of myself now and be like, you fool, you know, what were you doing? Why weren't you out there just being more aggressive? And the answer is because Jonah today doesn't know what the future is and I'm afraid, yeah. right? But my fear can be swayed by just having a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of trust in the way that the system works. You will not lose money in real estate if you do your math correctly, right? If the economy takes a shit, if you put yourself into the right position, you're still going to be okay. You know, yeah. like if you build in enough equity on the front end, meaning like, let's say that a house, uh, everybody else is buying houses in a neighborhood for $100,000. If you buy a house for $50,000, if the market cuts in half, now you're still safe, right? right. The market has never cut in half. That has right. never happened. Um, it might go down by 30, 40%, something like that. It can, it can do that. That's certainly true. But then you just wait it out, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, uh, it's, when it comes to like actually writing checks and like accepting these big ass mortgages and yeah. all of this debt, it's scary. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just, you just gotta like, you just have to be willing to go for it and just give yeah. it a try. So yeah, my process took way longer than it should have. I hope that I will look back at my current self and be like, why were you dragging your feet yeah. and spending your time doing these stupid things when you could have and should have been doing this? Um, but I intend on figuring it out and finding out. So how do you know when something's a good deal, like financially? So uh, here's, here's the way that I look at uh, any real estate deal, right? There's, there's a bunch, I, I'm a fan of making money in real estate, right? So I don't really care like what the deal is. Now I may need, I may need a cash infusion in order to do something more long-term, but my goal is to flip or to rent. It's one of those two things, right? I'm trying to make money in real estate one way or the other. I don't really care how it's going to be. Um, so if I am looking for a rental property, what I want to know is, can I buy this piece of property? and make more on a month by month basis on average um, than it costs me to own that property. If my mortgage is a thousand and I can charge somebody 1500, that's a good deal. I'll take that deal, right? And so that's what I'm looking for on the rental side of things. When I'm looking at a flip opportunity, which oftentimes I want a flip because I need a down payment to put onto a property that I wanna buy, or I need to reimburse myself for some debt that I took out you know, I took a short-term debt 
from this person, so I need to give them their 50 grand back. Like, okay, I need to go out there and make $50,000 so I can pay this person back or pay the IRS or do whatever I have to do. So what I do in that case is basically uh, I will look for property that is, my niche is garbage properties. Like I don't do these lipstick projects. Lipsticks is this idea of like, yeah, you're going to change the floors and then paint it and then hurrah, it's Cosmetics, done. right? <laughs> no, no, no. You I'm like a strip it. it down to the studs and like tear it apart and like totally redo it. That's just what I've fallen into, and that's kind of what I like doing. I'm, I'm good at identifying what, what's involved with that. And also, there's a little less competition in those kind of properties because not a lot of guys are willing to do all that work. the extent of work that I, that I am willing and capable of doing, which, again, is the whole point of the blue-collar blueprint as it is, is that people who work with their hands are uniquely qualified to take on projects like that. That can earn um, them significant amounts of returns in their time. I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, like, so you could find this deal and do that as somebody who's not a blue-collar person, but you'd have to hire somebody. Right. So this is this could be fifty percent additional, you know. So if it would cost me a hundred thousand, it might cost you a hundred and fifty because you got to pay me to do all the work, right? Right. Um, right? And so as a blue-collar guy who's capable of doing that, uh, especially if you're somebody in my position where you have control over your schedule, right, where you can work for a relatively small period of time and just float your life and then dedicate the other part of your time to building wealth, um, that can be extremely beneficial because I don't touch any money that I get from my investment side. When I'm getting cash flow from these rental properties, I'm dumping it right back into the next one, right? When I flip a piece of property, I'm paying off mortgage over here or I'm using it to buy another thing. I'm always leveraging that investment money into the next thing. Right. That's why I do, that's why I teach the system to learn or churn that I do because I earn and support my family and we like make it by comfortably, nicely, you know, on what I earn my one or two days a week that I'm working. I'm building for our future, you know, on those other days and just reinvesting every cent that I've got. And I think people need to understand this too. It's not like you go, there are a lot of people who think, oh, if I could go flip a house and make 50 grand, right? I, I make the 50K in 30 days and I follow the exact system that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. People are like, oh shit, I've made it. You know, like that's, no, no, no. Now you're ready to get started. <laughs> you know, like now you have some money that you can now use to go buy another one and do it again. And yeah, you can throw a couple bucks in your pocket every now and again, but really what you want to do is get to this critical mass where you have generated enough asset base so that you can now reach financial freedom, which is where your investment machine, which is a lot of properties, of rentals, a lot of, you know, rentals in my case, certainly in other strategies, but primarily rentals, will pay for my life. So now I don't have to do the two days a week doing the drywall thing, right? I'm transitioning out of that. And then once I'm there, now I can transition over to only doing real estate. I'm not there yet. I'm not financially free. And I own a lot of real estate and I have a cool sounding net worth, but it doesn't really mean squat until I've actually got money coming into my pocket. Flow, right? So all I care about is cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm looking for a flip deal, to answer your question more concisely, I am looking for a property that is a dump that is in a area where I know that houses sell for more. So the neighborhood and the house that we're sitting in right now, houses in this neighborhood will sell if they're really nice. And I'm talking about like everything is brand new, really, really well done, like I do. Um, those houses sell for seven hundred to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, depending on how you know, uh, how big the house is. Right. Um, I bought this house for $330,000. Mm -hmm. 
that's a lot of room, right? Totally. So this is a great neighborhood. This is why I drive around at different places to see if I can find these deals yeah. because when they come on, okay, here's an opportunity. It's on market for $400,000. I don't care what conditions it's in. I can put anything back together for 150 grand in here. I put the 150 in, now I've got 550. I can sell it on the back end for 700,000. That's money, baby, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, and one reason why I like to stick in neighborhoods, right? Uh, I like to farm neighborhoods because I know this neighborhood really, really well, well right. really, really well. All of these houses are basically the same. I know for sure they will sell for this amount when I get it done, if mm. I get it to this level. So that's mm. what I'm looking for. So in your neck of the woods, you know, all you have to do is jump on Zillow and like literally look at the little red tags. It'll tell you what everything is sold for. That's what, that's what I want to ask you. So you can, so you can go on Zillow and you can find what approximately what a certain area is selling for the sure. max based right. on some of the best right. homes. Right. So you kind of know the top range of what you're looking for. Sure. You can typically based on like what the square footage of the house, for yeah. example, like approximately based on the square footage of the house, I can probably expect this amount of cost and renovations along with, like all the big ticket items that I have to get done as well, like, you know, air conditioning or like whatever it is. Yeah, so. So you begin to kind of build like a, a semi quasi picture of, correct. you know, okay, so like if, if I'm buying it for this, I'm expecting this, then I'm gonna get this amount. And then also, you can also use Zillow too or whatever tool to see which homes are on average, on average what they're renting for in that area. Correct. So then from that point on, then you can just basically see, okay, now what's my mortgage gonna be when I take this on? Is am I reaching a certain percentage? And I think a good. A, do you agree that it'd be good to have like okay for each buying decision I make, I want to have at least like this percentage of return on like for example either my initial investment or monthly. Yeah. So I'm a little ashamed to say this, but I don't look at it that way. I only look at it in pure dollars, right? Um, people who are much more sophisticated than me do, in fact, look at it that way. They say like I need this X per percentage of return. I, I almost certainly fall into whatever their sort of criteria are. Like I told you earlier, my goal, my goal is to earn $1,000 of net passive income for every investment that I make. Um, I don't wanna get hung up in the percentages per se, because to me, it's like, if I can make $1,000, that's, that's a pretty good cushion. Now, granted, if the payment was $20,000 for a million dollar house or something like that, or a $3 million house, thousand uh, dollars isn't going to cut it, right? But if we're talking about like a three, four, five hundred thousand dollar investment, yeah, thousand dollars is pretty damn good Got as it. far as my cash flow is concerned. Got it. Um, so to me, I'm looking at dollars. I know how much money I need to make in order to support my family, in order to reach that financial freedom we were talking about. So my goal is just to get enough <laughs> to cover that that number. So if I can do a thousand dollars, all I need is ten that operate with a thousand dollars. Now yeah. I'm good, right? Um, or 12 or eight or three or whatever your, your nut is, you know, um, I'm just looking to generate that cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. When it comes to uh, flips and I'm like looking at a lump sum of money that I'm trying to get back, I just literally just randomly pick a number that I feel like I, I just, I, I kind of like, <laughs> I measure how much of an ass pain I expect this job to be, which is like, how long is it gonna take? Is it gonna be like, brutal work or is it going to be like an easier one? Do I have to strip it all the way down to studs and totally rewire it? 
Or is it going to be like, yeah, I just have to take this wall down and then we're going to be fine here. You know, so I'm measuring like how much ass pain it's going to be. And then I just assign a number to right. the ass pain. <laughs> right. uh, so, uh, but with all that said, a lot of people would be like, well, if I can make $10,000, I'll take a deal. No, you will not. Don't do that, right? Your minimum should be 30000 What do you mean? Um, the minimum profit you should be making on any flip you do should be $30,000 okay. projected. Why? Uh, what if the market takes a slump and now you're not going to sell it for what you thought? Now you've got a $30,000 cushion. Got it's it. a lot better to not make money than to lose it, right? So you want to have a cushion built in there. It's a part of a risk of investing in real estate. I'm also a very conservative person when I'm doing my math, right? I, I'm saying like, I know I can sell X house for 400,000, but when I go to actually list it, maybe I'll try 440, right? Mm -hmm. And I might get it. If I do, that's just $4,000 of bonus money. But I want to make sure that my conservative estimate at 400,000, where I know for sure I'll be able to get this property, will pay the dividend that I'm looking for. Right. And so I try to approach things in a conservative way in that way. But yeah, as far as flips are concerned, I'm just looking for like I'm going to plan to make this much money and that's what I'm aiming for. If I make four more, obviously that's great. If I make less, that's not as great, but if I make something, then I'm still winning, so. Right, and because you're in the same ballpark, because all the homes are approximately in the same range, Correct. you're coming out to around the same percentage anyways. I exactly right, yeah. So, you know, and, and, and things have changed pretty dramatically. Back in 2012, when I started doing this, I could buy a house for 50,000, I would put 30 or 50 into it and then sell it for 50,000. So I was making a 100% return on my money. It's a lot harder to do now, you know. Um, I, I might have 550, like this deal we were talking about before, and then make 150 on the back end. It's like, okay, well, that's a, that's a totally different percentage basis. That's why I don't really care about that. I just know that if I make 150, it's going to be worth my time. Right. Therefore, it's worthwhile doing yeah. it. Yeah, got it. Like the, so. the the size, the amount of that you're earning. It's no longer right. about the proportions, but right. it's more because because the higher the percentage you get, the more difficult it is going to be to find a deal. But as long as you're making a significant amount, that's it's worth your time. Correct. And it's still in accordance with what you're trying to achieve. Right. right. Now, yeah. how I do it is not is probably not particularly scalable because this is all due to me like physically going out there and doing doing the work and Definitely. you know all of this sort of thing so i'm limited in that capacity and my next step in my career will be figuring out how to let go of that control Auto a little bit and start to yeah. get it rolling in a more passive way so that i can be utilizing my time in a more managerial perspective as opposed to being a literal hands-on everything you see behind me my hands made it, you know, like I installed and put it all together with the exception of a handful of things. And that works for me right now, but it's not scalable. I can't do 20 deals like that, especially Correct. not if I'm working, you know, uh, doing my other thing. So it, it, there is a balance and there's a niche and there's a different way of approaching everything. Some guys may be watching this and thinking like, this guy's going about it all wrong. Well, maybe, yeah, for you, there are other ways that you can approach it and there are different circumstances, but this works really well for me. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out how to keep it, keep it rocking and rolling. Yeah, I think that that's the key too, is like everyone's always saying that there's one way, one way, but sure. people don't create flexibility for their lives. And by kind of pigeonholing themselves into one set expectation, it prevents them from, you know, having it because one per one thing that works for someone else doesn't work for you. Correct. So it's fine. So like for me, I would probably want to have a little bit more resources available to maybe outsource a lot of the building work that I would have to sure. do sure. if I was choosing to do a flip or if I was choosing to, to invest. If you Whereas were doing, if you were doing a flip, I think what I would suggest to you is you go and you do all the hard part, which is identifying and finding a good deal, right? That's, that's the hard part. Cause you got to do all the driving around or right. you gotta, you know, you gotta generate the lead. You right. gotta do the math. You gotta negotiate it. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. 
You do that part. Yeah. That's the time-consuming, pain-in-the-ass part that no investors like doing. And that's the most deals. important part, too. Right. Right. If you have a deal, now maybe you're in a situation where you don't have a whole lot of money to work with. You have a good friend, Jonah. Hey, Jonah, I found this deal. Do you want to partner with me? Tell me about the deal. Chase, okay, here's the numbers. Hell yeah, I want to be a part of this deal. Oh, you yeah. know, Now all of a sudden, I've got the money that I can use to invest it. You found right. the deal. We can figure out how this is going to work. Maybe awesome. you'll just be the boots on the ground. Yeah. I'll just be, I can either just write you checks and say like, okay, you know, you're going to pay me back on the back end. Right. There's a thousand different ways that we can do it. Right. In our case, it might be like, I need to physically go up there and be like, okay, this is how much this is going to cost. This is what we have to do here. From the design perspective, we're thinking about all of these things and I can coach you and guide you through that. But right. if I'm making money, okay, You're sounds happy to great. Invest your time. Yeah. Or maybe you can just find the deal and just sell it to me for a fee. You know, yeah. you make $10,000 for driving around to the state sales or something, you know right. what I mean? You identify a deal. I'll take that deal if it makes sense to me. What do I care what you paid for it? So what's worked really well for you for finding relationships uh, that ultimately end up being like possible lenders. Yeah, so lending, lending is one of the most important components to any real estate investor's life, okay? Uh, making sure that you understand how many different options are available in the world um, and having somebody who can put those deals together, right? Like having options casts a much larger net for the type of deals that you can get involved in. Uh, this is what I was alluding to earlier when I said, if I knew then what I know now. If I knew about some of the ways that you can structure financing deals, I could have owned like literally hundreds and hundreds of units at this point instead of 12 or 13, whatever I'm at now. But I didn't know, right? Uh, so I was limited because I was fearful of taking on debt and I was limited because I was fearful about like, I don't make enough money and all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't need to make money. Real estate makes its own money, right? It generates income itself if you're buying cash flowing investments. So it doesn't have to rely on me. I don't have to look at a rental and say like, oh, that's a $3,500 payment. I don't have $3,500 extra dollars in my budget from going out and doing drywall. Now I'm scared, right? That's where my mind goes, but that's not the right math. This house will cost $3,500 a month. Will it generate $7,000 in season? Yep. Okay, good. That's a good deal. That is its own machine, right? It will operate itself. And so uh, oh. as long as I can identify those things, it comes together and you can start to move past this understanding, which is where most of us start. Right. I work and then I pay bills. Right. And so if something costs money, I have to trade my time right. in order to pay for that money. Well, that's not the way that real estate works. Yeah. In, in the long term. So what's, what's the most efficient way of learning about all of your lending options? Or so there are many different ways. I would encourage you to read books, okay, or to listen to podcasts like this, to listen to Bigger Pockets, to listen to all of the, the gurus and guys out there because they've all got a thousand different ways. I mean, you see this stuff. I know you deal with this with other, yeah. you know, content yeah. providers. Here's a little known secret or here's a hack about how to get into this deal. I mean, there's a thousand different ways to buy real estate, you know, and, and so watch the videos and listen to unique ideas that people have. Maybe some of them don't really work or some of them are scammy or some of them might work in a unique situation but not in others. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things out there like that. So you mm -hmm. have to be mindful of it. Yeah. Um, but what I would suggest that you do is simply go to people who are currently investing in real estate yeah. and then ask them, how did you pay for all this stuff? Yeah. 
Right. Now, if he's a doctor and he goes, well, I make a million dollars a year, so I, I spend $500,000 a year buying real estate. It's like, okay, well, that's not the guy I'm talking to. Go find me. Go find like the dude yeah. who's out grinding it out. Yeah. You know, Chase yeah. goes and finds a deal. Insane Jonah, feet. I found this opportunity. How do I finance this? Hey, Chase, let me get you in touch with this guy. He's got 38 different products that he can get you involved with. Mm. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, just ask people, yeah. right? And Definitely. start to develop a relationship with people who are doing what you're trying to do. That's, yeah. why this, that's why the interview component of the show exists. I want to be able to ask yeah. people so that they can tell me things that they know about, right? Yeah, and you know, um, and you also know the right things to be asking that are also going to be pay dividends for the audience too. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, yeah, you, um, you know, and you can also just cold call people. You know, you can look at, uh, yeah. you can, I don't know. It's 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 tricky, but I would suggest going to a real estate investor club or a meetup or some sort of thing like that where you where the intent is to go and network with people. There will be lenders there who offer investment opportunities from a lending perspective at groups like that. Right. Um, and you can just go up and start striking up a conversation. Hey, this is my situation. I have this much money or I don't have this much money. This is what I'm trying to do. What would you advise me? How, how can you help me? And they might say, well, you need to do these three things first. You need to make sure your credit's in tip-top shape. You need to have 20% down payment. Uh, or they might say, well, you can identify a deal that has this proven cash flow and then we can leverage this property. You know, I mean, there's a, a gazillion different ways. It would literally take me 100 hours to go through the, the, the t tip of the iceberg that I know about. And I know there's an entire iceberg underneath the surface that I don't know about. Right. And I want to know about it, right? And I'll right. continue to push through forward and learning. Is every time as I start thinking I have a handle on, oh, I've got 30 different ways I can finance this deal. There's 100 other ones that I don't know about. And they may be better. Yeah. Well, what have been the most useful and flexible financing options that you use? Oh, dude, yeah. So what we talked about earlier with the FHA option, buying your own house. That's the first one, right? Most people don't look at buying their own house as an investment. But if your intent is to buy the house and then move out of it into another house, but to keep that one, that's a great way to generate a rental property because now you were able to get into it for a little money down and then you got out. So that's one thing. Uh, one tool that I use all the time are credit lines or HELOCs, which are home equity lines of credit. Uh, basically what that means is if I have a bunch of equity in a house, I can get a loan against that equity. Mm. Um, and so if I have a $300,000 home equity line of credit, that money is just sitting out there in Chase Bank's account and it's waiting for me to write a check write and I can just write a check up to $300,000. And I pay interest on that loan. You pay interest on the run, um, on the loan, right? But yeah, that's how I finance my deals. I use my home, home equity line of credit. From all the previous check. units you already have or yeah, some of the previous correct. homes you right. already so have. Right, so some, some of these properties, I have credit lines on the rental property itself. Mm -hmm. I have one on my personal house mm -hmm. uh, that I've, you know, effectively flipped, right? Like I've increased the value of my house such that I was able to get a big fat home equity line of credit mm -hmm. that I use and leverage out to buy other properties. And so that's one tool that I think is extremely useful is utilizing credit lines, um, commercial lines of credit and home equity lines of credit. Uh, other options that are out there that a lot of people don't know about, there are plenty of loans that exist exclusively for real estate investors. Mm. So uh, these are often called no-doc loans, which means that they don't care about how much money you make. Right? So you could right now go and find a deal where, um, 
let's say that the property, we'll just use simple numbers. Let's say that you can buy the house for 100,000 and you can pay, you know, the, the expected rent for that property is $1,000 a month. There are mortgages that will allow you to take up to 80% of the loan to value, mm -hmm. meaning they'll loan you $80,000. And uh, they don't care about what your credit or what your income is. They're not, they don't, you can have a zero income and they won't matter. All they're gonna do is look at what the potential that property can produce and they will give you a mortgage based on how much rent you can expect to collect off of that property. So they'll lend you, if you can expect to get $1,000 a month, they will lend you up to uh, whatever a payment that would be sufficient to say $800 would be, if that makes sense. So they will basically cover 80% of your mortgage. So they will, they will lend you money based on the, based on the, the income possibility of that property. Um, so instead of doing what most normally, like, you know, if you go to finance a car, for instance, right, the car company looks to see how much money do you make? What does your credit score look like? And how much money do you have to put down? These loans don't care about any so of that it's shit. it's not no they, longer about you. No. It's no longer about your financial position. It's only it's about, about the, the income asset. producing potential of that asset. Right. Now you have to have skin in the game on these kind of loans. You have to have 20% down payment or 30% down payment um, in order to make up that difference because they're not going to just loan you the whole thing. However, if you were to flip a house or if you were to buy a house um, in whatever method you wanted to use, you use a hard money loan, you do a partner deal with, with, let's say we did that. You and I partner on a deal and the agreement is that I'm gonna make $50,000 by funding this deal that you found for us. We both go in there, we do whatever we do, we put this house together. Now the house is worth a lot more than what we paid for it and a lot more than what we improved it for. That's your equity. Now what we can do is refinance that loan. You have $150,000 in built equity now. You pay me back my 50,000, you pay off the original purchase price, you paid off the improvement cost, now you've got $150,000 of extra equity that's sitting in there that belongs to Chase. Well, this bank, when you go to refinance it, will say, okay, well, maybe you can make uh, $5,000 a month on this particular piece of property. Now, what they will do is say, because you're refinancing it, you don't have to come to the table with any cash down. You've got $150,000 of equity, so we'll just cover the whole note, and they'll refinance the entire thing for you, and then you can just move on to the next one. So that's a way that like you specifically, wow. uh, without having access to a ton of resources, can pretty easily get into a piece of property without having any money coming out of your own personal life, or just generating an asset that will do it for you. Wow. Yeah. So that's like a very simple sort of Barney way of talking about it, but that's, that's wow. a lot of people do that. It's called the Burr method, right? I mean, this is B-R-R-R-R. It's right. buy, remodel, refinance, and rent. And the idea is, is that you do exactly what we talked about. You refinance all the money back so that you don't have to put any money into it. I had heard about the Burr method and I was familiar with like the whole like, you know, um, you know, you buy, you make it nicer than, but I wasn't aware of how powerful the point is that the financing options or the financing constrictions are not necessarily on you as an individual, but right. it's more so you're getting access to financing and lump sums of money based on the asset. And so the asset is chosen properly. 
you correct you, you can create a really solid first step for yourself well it, first in like a thousandth step i mean the, the step, reality yeah. is is that yeah. if you want to own 100 properties let's say that's your goal like before you were to, before you hit 50 you you personally want to own 100 properties that's a good goal to have okay that's fine especially if they're all producing a thousand dollars in net income right that's you'd nice. be making a hundred thousand dollars a month yeah. would be not so bad uh so if that's your goal you are never going to have a job where you are earning enough money in order to go down to a regular bank and get a regular consumer loan where you can get enough mortgages to put a 20% down payment and then your income is sufficient in order to cover that loan. That's not going to happen. So you have to utilize these commercial loans in order to leverage the amount of stuff that you have available. This was my mistake is that I did not know this or if I did know it, I didn't hear it because I was afraid of oh, well, the interest rate is going to be more, and these rates are more, right? Because there's a higher degree of risk to the bank because they don't care about your tax returns and stuff. They only care about the property. So uh, your rates are going to be a little bit more. But I was thinking, oh, I don't want to pay more rates. And oh, I don't want to take on all this extra debt. And so what I did instead was I would go out and then I'd flip three houses and then I'd get a big fat pile of cash and then I'd buy a rental. And then I'd go back out there and start over again and then have to buy and flip and then try and go back into doing this. And I wasted like seven, eight, nine, ten years of my investment career doing that method. Now it worked out okay because I had, you know, things elevated in price and whatever else. But I could have been doing this method the entire time and just accepted that, yeah, I'm going to pay a little bit higher rate and I'm going to take on more debt. But I could have those hundred thousand or those hundred properties in my control right now. Right, because to. because the rate's not that important. Because what it's giving you instead is access to more capital to create a larger cushion. The, the the point is is that you're buying the house so that it makes money, and if you're buying it so that it's cash flowing, you don't care what the rate is, right? It could have a hundred percent interest rate. If you're still making money, what the hell do you care? What does it matter? Right? After the rate, that yeah, yeah, because right. like, the just, rate's just baked into your monthly you just payment. Just bake it into the cake. Yeah, it's like this is what I expect. This is just how much it costs. A roof costs what it costs. I gotta put a roof on this sucker, right? So it right. doesn't matter whether shingles double in price or not. I gotta do it. Right. So um, I can cry about it, and I do all the time, you know. But like, you just deal with it, you know. You say, okay, this is my expectation, and if the rates are higher, yeah, now not as you know the deals that used to work three years ago won't work anymore. Okay, too bad. Go find the ones that will work today, and that's what we have to do. You just gotta get out there and get you know, get comfortable with the idea and go grind it out. And I'm sure that a lot of this sounds like Chinese to a lot of people. They're like, I have no idea about any of the words that you're saying right now, right? So we're using some technical details. Um, and the fact of the matter is you're probably not going to know. You're going to know like 5% of what you need to know when you do your first deal. And then you're going to learn like 20% when you do it. And then the next one, you're going to learn 5% more and the next one. And then eventually you'll get to a place where you just understand how all this stuff works. And when somebody comes to you with an interesting idea, you're going to go like, this is mind boggling. I had no idea that this was an option, right? So don't be afraid of just going out there and giving it a go. Ask people's opinion, right? Talk mm -hmm. to people, you know, Good don't advice. just fly sure. out by the seat of your pants and listen to what they say, but don't be afraid to just go out there and do it. You know, Facts. especially if you're young, you know, yeah. you're right. So what? You fall off your face. So what? It's tuition. You know, I spent $40,000 to get a bachelor's degree that's collecting dust in my closet. Yep. You know, Same. Uh, you know what I could have done? I could have gone out and flipped a house and lost $40,000 and learned what, you know, has made me into a, a self-made millionaire, you know, as opposed to like a, getting a really expensive reading list, which is basically what I got in school. 
Not to say that that's always the case, but in mine it was, you know. Uh, so yeah, if you lose money, count it as tuition, and then do learn, and then don't do that again. You know, it's like and, it's and tuition that has compounding results. Too. Yeah, yeah, correct, right? Because the reality is, if you do it right, you're not going to lose money. You're going to you're going to make money, and then learn as you go. Um, and it's okay to be a stumbling, bumbling fool. Get out there and do your thing. Don't worry about what other people are saying or thinking. Just go out there and learn how to do it. And if you want to, if you want to be in this business. Stop dicking around and go get in the business, you know? I think that oftentimes it's, uh, I previously have been scared to start new things that I know are best for me. I know that I'm smart enough to do, but it oftentimes does take a lot of like that rocket ship effort where you're using most of the fuel in the beginning to change your paradigm or change how you think about it. Correct. And I think that this is one of the conversations that, uh, people will, will listen to and, and the, both the information as well as the plausibility and reality of it being possible yes. will be the rocket ship thrusters that are needed to be, to be like, holy shit, okay, it's okay that I didn't know everything that you just said. Right. I know that I'll be able to, one, learn more about it, and I know that I'll be able to get enough, and I now also now know, too, that I don't need to actually know that much. I just need to know a little bit, and I need to have some source of guidance or direction and if I can find those, I know I can find them. I might not have a Jonah right next to me, but I but I will have real estate locals that are different groups and masterminds. Yeah, correct. And I can just start. Yeah. And yes, I mean it's like, dude, it's like learning anything else, right? I mean, you, you just get in there and you start tinkering. You know, just go do it. Just just go freaking do it. And yeah, like, man. people are always. Totally. I mean, I'm one of these people. Same thing with business. What, yeah. what if I messed it up? What if I screw it up? You freaking don't do that again. Like, don't you know, like that sucks, and like nobody likes to mess up. Nobody that hurts and that's painful. But you know what's really painful? Getting to retirement age and then being broke. That's freaking painful. You know what's painful? Living in the United States of America and not taking the opportunity to like live the op- the American dream. You can do it. You can and you should. You have a responsibility and a duty to do these things for yourself, for your family, for your society, for your culture. For your lifetime, yeah. Just just yeah i mean it's like you're here man like go do stuff mess it up that's fine mess it up quickly get it out of the way right and then get on to do something else it's okay it's okay you know oh yeah and uh yeah so that's that's my opinion man just get off the freaking horse and just just dive in that sucker and just get going dude Brent, this is awesome appreciate it man yeah this hopefully uh, <laughs> it's like i hope this it was, is great some value to you so that was no i'm i think honestly like i'm gonna like on my way home from like vinoy i'm just gonna like take a bunch of detours Cause there's a few, the way to do it. there's a few places like I really would love, I know that I can find some good deals out there. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I, I think that if I start like, you know, putting it out there, it's, it's going to yeah, fall that's into That's it. Lap. You start looking around going like, Hmm, I wonder how to buy houses. You can do it. Comes, you can comes do it. it. Trust me, man. And the universe wants you to buy that house. hundred percent. It's going to be like, Hey bitch, here you go. And then you're going to be like, you're going to start freaking peeing your pants a little bit and then yeah. just like get on with it and go make it happen, dude. Cause yeah. it's, I, I don't know. There's, there's so many of these methods where it's like, well, how am I going to find a piece of real estate where somebody's going to be willing to own or finance it? It's like, well, it's hard, man. You know how you're going to find it? By looking <laughs> and yeah. by asking and yeah. then doing the thing. Yeah. Like that's how you do it. You know, um, I don't know how, what else to tell you. There are people who are doing it. I have done it many times. Um, and it's, I, I know that it works and it still shocks me when it works. You know what I mean? Like I run into these situations and I go like, I can't believe that just happened to me. Well, it happened because, you know, because I had to, I had to give it a go. I had to give it a try, and yeah. got to 
to do that. Got to do it. Got to give it a go. So, dude, thank you. Yeah, thank bro. you so much. Like, I'm, I'm definitely gonna be looking for for properties around the place yeah. that I want to live. Hell yeah! Like, well, like, I love St. Pete. I love Tampa. Good. And it's a great, it's a great market too. And there's a lot of stuff there. You know, I mean, there's a gazillion totally. houses. Totally. I mean, and it's a growing area. It's yeah. a great, it's a great spot, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. My roommate, last thing I'll leave you with is, I told you that he just got a stupid deal. He's paying like, like basically forty percent less than what the home was uh, originally going for rent, and he what said they were that, asking for right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they're asking for? They're asking for like thirty-five. He's renting it with his sister for like twenty-two, which is like pretty pretty significant. And they're in a super mm-hmm. nice area, like gated. They're a five-minute walk from the water, like very nice homes around them. Right. So like that's a great renting situa- situation for them. Um, but he would, you know, he was saying, he was saying as, as fate would have it, he was saying there's a bunch of for rent signs everywhere around the house. And at the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about how for rent signs are very quite possibly deals. Any home you see could possibly be a good deal or sale. And I think that that's a breadcrumb that I'm going to follow and yeah. look for some for rent signs and see if I can find any motivated seller yeah. and, and see and some of that works out. Let me just go ahead and tell you right off the bat. The answer you're going to get is no, and then no, and then 99 or more no's, but on 100, you're going to get a yes, and you're going to be like, oh my God, you're going to, because when you're in the midst, right, you're cold calling people, or you're doing all this driving around, it feels like it never ends, but it will. All you have to do is identify one deal. If you can make $100,000 or $50,000 by spending a total of like four hours of your life, would you do that? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, like, yes, you would, yes, you know, would, and you'd yeah. be a moron not to, you yeah. know, it, but so just be prepared, be prepared to ask for a hundred, like make a tally and just be like, yeah. oh, it only took 27. I'm winning. You know what I mean? So like, don't worry about that, but you got to get out there and just give it a go, dude. You know, for real. I'm going to put a notepad so, on my air do conditioning, it, do dude. It. Yeah, I'm going to have a pen. I'm going to have it like tied next to, it's going to be attached to the paper. And every time I go, I'm just going to get back in my car. I'm going to put my seatbelt back on, turn my start button on. Yeah, like yeah. the pen, I'll be like. That's it. Hey, man. When we're done. I'll tell you what. And, uh, Let's do it, dude. And then we'll revisit when you buy your first one. We'll talk about it. And 100%. We we'll will. Make some cool content out there. So 100%. appreciate you, man. Thanks, dude, buddy. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Simple fix. Absolute pleasure.